Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You see yourself as the closest. <laughs> Grumpy, a man apart. Yeah, it's 11 in a row for you, much like it's 7 in a row for Cluxton. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. It is time to uh, turn our attention to the Camogie final this weekend. We did the Cork preview yesterday with Sarah Donovan on the line, so to give us the Waterford side of things, delighted to say we're joined now by Noel Connors. Morning, Noel. How's it going, gents? How are you? How are you keeping? Pretty good, G. How are the nerves? Uh, yeah, I think quite optimistic. Um, it's been a long time since Waterford Camogie were in the All-Ireland, so it's uh, something to certainly look forward to. What is it, 78 years? So it's something... Something that we're probably not used to, but something that we're definitely looking forward to. We chatted a good bit on the show last week about the buzz ahead of the fun, uh, the football final, and uh, the jury was kind of out as to how engaged both counties were uh, in the lead-in. At least, what's the buzz been like down there? It's been amazing, to be fair. Um, I suppose our, our hurlers and our footballers haven't done particularly well over the last kind of 12 months so everyone has really rode in behind the Camogie team they've been fantastic over the last number of years not just to say it's this year but over the last number of years and uh, showing their support I suppose a, a fair reflection of that was in the semi-final now I know it was only in Nolan Park up the road but I think everybody that was at the match mentioned the Waterford fans and how engaged they were and how they didn't stop chanting so uh, I think that's probably a reflection of where Waterford's support is in terms of the Camogie team. What can it do as well? If you look at like the mead ladies footballers in terms of uh, being a bit starved on the men's side, what can it do for the, the not the brand like, but what can it do for Watford hurling generally to get people, um, I suppose, so emotionally involved again? Like I, I the, the last I think the last time I saw you playing was in 2017 in the final. Unbelievable passion that day. Like, um, what can it do? I suppose to the county generally, Noel. <laughs> it is a in 2017 that that's kind of like an early dig at is it uh, uh-huh. <laughs> to the chest no but, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was an absolute compliment actually you were one of my favourite hurlers if not sportsmen yeah. ever you know that's what I was telling Ali Canning at the race the other day actually <laughs> But to be fair, I, I do think, like in fairness, Watford as a, as a county, by and large, is, is is very much rolling behind everything that's GA. Mm-hmm. We're very fortunate in many ways that we're we're on the sea as well, and there's plenty of other sports, golf and basketball, etc., are very prominent here in rugby. Um, but GA is without doubt number one. So I do think that if if you see success, then it breeds success. So not just necessarily if the if the girls are going well, it has it certainly has an impact on on the lads as well. And I think that's really, really important. Um, as you mentioned there, you see the, the significance of a mead ladies footballers and what that's done to the county. So I do think that good showing and even like a lot of the, a lot of the, say the lads rather like Boston Brick were at the match in Nolan Park as mm. well last week. So that kind of is a uh, kind of testament to what has been done as well at underage structures in Watford Camogie. It is inspirational as well, isn't it? Like if you look like, I, I can really, really um, attest to the, the young girls who want to play soccer now like uh, in Ireland and like for a young girl who may or may not want to play camogie, like if she sees this game, um, you know, Noel, on, on, on Sunday, it's like this could change your life. Absolutely. And like we've been very fortunate that we have the likes of Bell Carton that has probably been a star when we haven't been haven't done particularly well over the last number of years. And it's amazing to see someone like her that has been so ingrained in in Watford GA, not just within the Camogie side, but also within the men's side. Like I remember being up at the the the, the conference every January when I was young and I was doing research and I see young Beck Carton walking in with her father. And obviously our father is 
heavily involved in the GA here. I think he's the, the manager for Munster and, and trying to promote games in Munster, Hurling. But I remember seeing her at a very young age and just being in awe of someone that was so young, but like so willing, I suppose, to spend time in Crow Park when you're probably surrounded by the vast majority were males that were probably in their, their mid to late 60s. So that kind of gives you a snapshot of what, what she's all about. So it's it's been amazing to see the likes of herself um, being really the person that a lot of GA people in Watford look up to, not just females, but males, because she's been so talented, but also so committed. And it shows that if you're committed, what it can actually bring. I don't believe that the um, optics are ever enough with these things to, I don't fully subscribe, subscribe to your theory, I think that like the fallout of London 2012 there was supposed to be this great legacy absolute nonsense mm-hmm. never happened uh, I think the optics of stuff I think like the uh, women's team of the World Cup is a great launch pad but like all those from the people who were down there last night the reports of all the girls that were at, young girls that were at it that's brilliant but if there is no uh, foundation stones in place yeah. in the places that they come from that's dead next week. There's no way to harness that. And so on that note, Noel, and I know you've done a little bit of work with the development squads down there over the last number of years, like the Waterford's ability to sustain that stuff that you're talking about and to live with the Cork, uh, Galway, Kilkenny of this world over the next number of years, is this, um, I'm not saying one and done because they've been there thereabouts over the last few years, but are the foundations there for this to be a long-term thing with Waterford? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I saw in the column about this yesterday. Uh, it's probably been 10, 12 years where I was asked to get involved and go in and do training sessions with, with underage structures within the camogie scene. And at the time, naively, you don't necessarily think too much about it. But when you kind of reflect on it and when you're out of it yourself, you think about how amazing it is and the amount of work that's done, the likes of Eda Murphy, Sheila O'Donoghue, Joey Carton himself, the amount of work that they put in to actually kind of set a bar. Like even, I think it was last year, maybe the year before last, I was out with... Uh, the under-14 team out in Carriganor in, in the arena. Uh, and uh, I think they had 120, maybe 130 girls out there at a camogie session. So the, what they're trying to do is place as much emphasis on trying to engage as many, I suppose, girls, but also clubs. At the moment, I think there's like 19 clubs, camogie clubs within Warford, and, and they're really trying to grow that. So what they're doing is they're being very smart and strategic about how they go about that and trying to build a good base and hoping that they can actually bring as many of these young girls you know, to a level where you can compete against, you know, the Corks, the Galways, the Kennys of today. And I think that's really, really important because it's just there. It's it's fine getting to a final once in 78 years, but the reality is what you need sustainability. And it's something that certainly we're struggling with on the, on the men's side is is sustainability. Mm. Um, but they seem to have done their work. They have a really good structure, but more importantly, they have really good people there to support that structure. Uh, and we're really starting to see the benefit of that. And I'm sure that uh, the the pressure of all that stuff that we're talking about will hopefully be lost on the on the players for the week that's in. They can think about that again down the track uh, if they manage to get over the line. I, there was a couple of comments from um, Waterford's Keeley uh, Corbett Barry during the week saying that they've come on a lot since they lost to Cork in the semis last year. And then I read Eva Murray as well saying that she thought that that Waterford team were calm and mature almost sort of beyond uh, beyond their years and the way they came back against Tipperary. There's always that cliche and all about like you know you have to get to a, you lose a final to win one. But like they've they've been so close over the last few years, it feels like even though they are underdogs, it is there for them to grasp it. Absolutely, and like you know, you often and it not frustrates me, but it kind of gets me thinking. You know, when people kind of suggest like that, oh, there's, there's nothing to lose, but the reality is, there's everything to lose. Mm. You know, when you're in an all Ireland final, you want to win. When you're in semi finals, you want to win. From watching last year's match, I think that Cork only went ahead 
in the last year's semi-final with like four minutes to go where Watford led the whole game and obviously it was the substitutions of like Fashion Thompson etc that made that change but in the end of it I think it was like 10 points to, to 15 so it was a 10 point swing but ironically enough things weren't going particularly well this year in the semi-final against Tipperary uh, particularly like in the first half they really really struggled at times and it was down to the Tipperary pressure their physicality etc but in fairness to them, you know, they held their cool, which was very mature for a re- very kind of young team when you broadly look at the, the profile of the of the squad. They were very mature. They got the goal when they needed, but in the second half, they showed an incredible uh, amount of resilience, but also maturity to be able to stick to their game plan. And when things weren't going particularly well for some players, even the likes of seeing Orla Hickey going from midfield back to full back at times, it goes to show like that these players are very well trained, they're managed. You see Sean Power is a very good backroom team in place. And that's what you're going to need to have if you want to win the All-Ireland. Because, look, we're not kind of trying to call anyone here. That Cork team, I think Sarah was on with you during the week, said, have probably underperformed since 2018. Um, but they're an incredible squad. They've three All-Stars on, on the bench that they can spring at any time. Um, so Watford are probably under no illusions that it's going to be an incredibly tough battle. But I'm sure it's one they're going to grasp and, and definitely do themselves just as, as much as they can What's the morale generally Noel in, ter- in Camogie in terms of I suppose it doesn't feel as if Camogie has been quite on the same sort of upward trajectory in terms of the um, publicity as ladies football what do you make of it? Yeah I suppose look there's probably not as many teams competing mm. uh, that's probably because of the dominance of the likes of Cork or Dublin or Kilkenny or Wexford. Like I was looking at the, the list of honours, like Warford have never won the All-Ireland. Like Cork have won 28, Dublin have won what, 24, Kilkenny 15, etc. And you look down through it, Galway have only won four. So even though we talk about Galway being one of the top three teams or maybe two teams uh, in Camogie at the moment, they've only won four All-Ireland. It's quite similar to senior actually for senior men's. Yeah, and like when you when you look at when you look at things like that, you're kind of saying to yourself, you know, that's a bit of a challenge to try and get as many teams engaged and trying to win uh, Camogie. Whereas the ladies' football seems to be there's there's probably like four or five, maybe even six teams at a very similar standard uh, that can win the All Ireland, and that certainly entices more teams to engage in that as well. But from your perspective, just very briefly, like what what can the GA do generally to get hurling and camogie? Like hurling is the most underplayed sport in the world, really. Like it's a disgrace that hurling is 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 almost an irrelevance in in three quarters of the counties in the in the country, considering it's it's probably the best field sport in the world. So what can like I remember as a kid, you know, I was from Northeast Galway, which would be a football area, really. But guys used to come to the school and we'd we'd play, we'd practice our hurling skills at a very early age, and it definitely helped. What can the GA do? I don't think there's a, a simple solution. Um, and ironically enough, I always go back when someone says this to me, I always go back. I remember reading uh, Michael Minan's book, GA Economics, I think it's called. And at the time, uh, I thought it was kind of a strange comment, but Sean Kelly, who is now MEP, he was the former president of the GA, he mentioned that like intercounty teams can't do both. And at the time, I was kind of saying, surely like the likes of your Galways, your Dublins, your Corks, like that have massive, you know, clubs. Uh, participation levels, funding, etc., can surely compete at both. But when you actually drill down into it, they can't. And that's probably the struggle, is I don't think you can actually compete well at both. If you have like Dublin, Dublin's population must be a million. Is it approximately a million? Maybe it's well over. One, probably give or take. Uh, I was talking to someone, I was actually at the football final last week and I was talking to someone, I won't mention names, and his little girl is playing in the FINA and in the academy, they had 760 kids. So I'm thinking to myself, They've 760 kids. If they can't compete at boats, 
it's going to be very challenging for others to compete at both. So what I would say is, I'd say inter-county, county boards realize that, that they can't do both. So they'll probably stick with what their uses of the status quo is probably football, because that's what most have probably played traditionally. So it's going to be a very difficult one to try and coax teams that will be traditionally Gaelic football out of Gaelic football and into Ireland. And that's, again, a generational thing where it's not going to be like a, a two or three year, you know, plan where you're going to see, you know, somebody compete against the likes of your Limerick, your Corks, your Waterford, etc. It's going to be a longer, you know, battle to try and get people to that where you're going to go Ricky Rackard, etc. all the way up to try and yeah. do that. I know Liam Griffin had, uh, we spoke to him a few months ago, uh, God, it couldn't be the back end of last year, but some pretty interesting proposals to address to address that exact issue to like um, call clubs out about having a, a specific commitment to playing both sports up to a certain level. I, I just in relation to this game particularly, um, I was interested to see like uh, we were talking about sort of Waterford obviously being underdogs there, and the hunger came up, and the uh, core captain was asked about that, and she was equating the fact that um, Waterford have never won the title with Cork's drought of the last five years, which I think is a uniquely Cork outlook. Yeah, and you know what? I think that Sarah mentioned it. I think she was on the show on Wednesday, but she mentioned that this team since 2018 have underperformed, and they probably have. When you look at the calibre of players they have, bearing in mind in the last two years, they lost last year's final by, what was it, a pint, and the previous by three points. So it's not as if they've been too far away. But from, a, from I suppose, a traditionalist point of view, like Cork have always been there, thereabouts. Obviously, that's reflective in having won whatever 28 titles. So, you know, that's probably like the Dublin footballers where they're saying for the last three years they haven't won it. So for Dublin, it's it, for, for Cork and Mogi, it's probably been a long period of time. Mm. So I can completely understand that from the Cork perspective. But from a Warford perspective, uh, wouldn't it be amazing, I suppose, what they're thinking to be the, the first winners of an Ireland title? And bear in mind also, like, if you look at it from, I suppose, you've drilled down deeper, like, Isle Tier have been very successful. Like, they won, obviously, the All-Ireland Club. I, I know it's at intermediate level. Uh, three years ago, they were they won the Munster, obviously, that same year. They won the Munster the year after. They got better in the semi-final off the Offaly crowd that bet them in uh, the that they bet in the All-Ireland previous to that. And De La Salle won their first uh, county title last year and done really well in Munster. So I do think that that's something that's really important as well, that you're starting to see a big level of commitment, but also outside where that also gives Warford a bit of impetus to say, you know, we are actually competing at a really good level here. So even though that Cork feel like they've been starved since 2018, I think that Warford feel that it wouldn't be a great thing to be the first team to, no, to win yeah. in all well, a Cork, a Cork person says that and actually fully believes it. Uh, well, the rest of us can sort of from the outside look in and think, wow, that's uh, that's quite the quite the dollop of uh, self-awareness there. Uh, Sarah Donovan, you mentioned her and obviously she spoke a little bit about the Cork bench yesterday. Did they stick a, stick or twist in terms of some of the players that are there? You mentioned Ashing Thompson, but one of those. Uh, number one, what's your sense of that? And um, I mean, I was going to ask you for a prediction after that, but I'm, I'm going to assume I know, uh, know the answer to that one. Um, yeah, it, do you know what? And I was thinking about this when I, when I was listening. It, it's very hard, like, for a manager to be in a situation, like, they have obviously three all-stars, Orla Cronin, obviously Ashton Thompson, and Eve Laura Hayes, who are incredible players and have been incredible service, servants to, to Cork. If they decide to, to twist and go and start the tree and they don't win, there's probably more damage than, than good in that sense. Um, because obviously this team has got them to the all in a final. So mm-hmm. I think that probably more 
impactful off the bench and we've seen that and obviously last year as I said when Warford were doing really well and, and they're winning by five points bringing on Ashling Thompson quite literally changed the game and even la- even the last day against Galway and they brought on Ashling Thompson with what like 10-15 maybe 20 minutes to go she changed the game she calmed things down I remember she picked up a ball in her own full back line and she more or less walled out to three or four people and just passed it to the far side of the pitch it was up the far side and it was a score and so that's a sign of really good players where she seems that she has a lot of time in the ball and very comfortable and quite literally just runs through three or four players and, and it's up the pitch. Uh, so, yeah, I would stick with what, what has been successful and have those in in, in the foreign in the foreign line. Um, the score, I think that I think it'll actually be very, very close uh, over the last number of years. It's been nip and tuck between Warford and Cork. I know Warford better early on uh, in the season. I'm going to say Warford by a pint after extra time. Wow. Very specific. Well, uh, you'll look like Nostradamus and all of that uh, if that comes off, which is the, the benefit. And if it doesn't, we'll never hear from it again, which is the beauty of the way these things work. Absolutely. Uh, pleasure chatting to you. Thanks, million. It's great to talk to you, lads. Have a great morning. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.